I don't really know how to start shows. Come on now, don't start, don't start liking me now. So yeah, I'm funny compared to, you know, well, you'll see later. I stay for mayhem! I know a lot of fucking idiots who think a lot of shit is mean-spirited just because it goes against what they believe. But the relief of comedy is it takes things that aren't funny and it allows us to laugh about them for an hour. We got a purple suit to buy and a gigantic coffin. Why are you laughing? Welcome everybody to Why Are You Laughing, recorded in <laughs> lovely Pawtucket, Rhode Island, the, the city where dreams are made, uh, mm -hmm. here in a bank vault in uh, uh, a secluded area yeah. of, a, of a strange building at Vaulted Podcast. <laughs> Probably the safest place to be in Pawtucket. That is true. That yeah. is very There's well. No. Be. Yeah, we dare a mass shooter to come here. <laughs> well, you just shut that door. <laughs> well, well, I don't. <laughs> I don't dare you. Today I'm pleased to introduce to you someone you guys may have, This is the first person that a lot of people listening might even not know at all. Uh, Mitzi Shore. Who Joe Rogan uh, says is the most influential person in comedy that you wouldn't know mm -hmm. because uh, she did run the comedy store. But even as I found out doing research for this episode, there is not a lot on her as far as like evidently based on one of the I think we'll play one of the clips later where she was evidently on the Arsenio Hall show. But like none of those interviews are anywhere. There's no you can barely find clips of her talking anywhere. Um, even the uh, the comedy store documentary on Showtime barely had any Mitzi Shore in it. So uh, she was a fairly private person, especially for being someone in uh, uh, the entertainment business. But uh, she ran the legendary comedy store in Los Angeles, which, um, so Mitzi Shore is from uh, Wisconsin. And uh, she was going to the University of Wisconsin when she met Sammy Shore, who you hear nothing about. Ever. I, which uh, I have some information on him, which I'm surprised you don't hear more from him because he was around and he was a comedian. Um, uh, but Mitzi Shore and Sammy Shore met in Wisconsin and that's when she left the University of Wisconsin. And uh, I, they lived in Miami for a while, I think. Uh -huh. And then they moved off to sunny California yes, sir. Um, to, to open the, uh, the comedy store, which uh, yeah, it was the first, I'm assuming it's not the first place that ever did comedy in Los Angeles, but it is the first comedy club where I guess if there were any vaudeville acts or whatever, you know, they were opening for a fucking <laughs> a juggler and a burlesque show or whatever else was going on there. But there was no uh, comedy club until uh, Sammy Shore and his writing partner opened up uh, the comedy store in Los Angeles. Um, I forget. What, what do I have in my notes there, Matt? Refresh my memory here while we uh, get started. Um, they uh, opened it in 1972. Two years later, uh, Mitzi got full ownership as part of. Oh, tell me. I have something oh, about Sam right. Shore in there, though, right? He opened for uh, he opened for Elvis mm -hmm. and uh, Tony Bennett and Tony Orlando, and uh, oh. so he was opening for like musical acts. Yeah, he, like, big who's, names. Who's Elvis's opener from 69 to 72? Yes. Yeah. Wow. So like, he had a decent career. And then uh, that dried up for him, I guess. That was, was Fat Elvis. Yeah. 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 Was, he, yeah. He was on uh, like whatever comeback show he had on yeah. television. That was like the white jumpsuit era Elvis. Yeah. The so, tiny cape. <laughs> <laughs> so Sammy Shore was the opener. <laughs> was the opener there, and then uh, they were together for. I guess the way Polly Shore tells the story is, I think Mitzi got pregnant, hmm. and that's the, why they got married in like 1950. So they were together for over 20 years. Hmm. Uh, but evidently there was a lot of, uh, it was a uh, tumultuous relationship, I guess. So uh, the comedy store opened in 72. 
and it was uh, it was not even the whole like so if you go to the comedy store now, it's the entire building that it's in. Right. Uh, back then, it was a back room, and I mm-hmm. guess uh, Sammy Shore and uh, his writing partner and Mitzi all said, "Well, there's no, there's no comedy clubs in uh, Los Angeles," so they opened up the comedy store, and uh, it was essentially like an open mic room. Like they would just have like Sam- it was usually. It was basically a place for Sammy Shore to do his stand, do his own stand. <laughs> yeah, so he would do, he would do his act. Uh, the other guy, uh, I forget his name. God damn it! Let's see if we can find Sammy Shore's writing partner. I should give him. I should have written it down. I apologize. Someone you never heard of, <laughs> but Shecky Green. Uh, well, Shecky Green comes up in a moment. <laughs> um, oh really? Shecky Green. I get, we're gonna have to evidently do a, a Shecky Green episode because he's he's mentioned twice in the episodes we're recording today. Um, so I guess he was an in- influential guy. But uh, yeah, Sammy Shore. Uh, wanted a place to do his stand-up, and then when he would uh, go on the road, Rudy DeLuca, Rudy DeLuca, mm. that's right. Yes. Uh, so those two opened the store and uh, did a lot of the performing there. And basically, you could just show up, um, no no door fee, like no admission fee or anything. You just show up, and they paid like I think back then drinks were like ninety cents <laughs> or a dollar or something crazy. Uh, so you'd show up, and they would make their money on drinks. And uh, you'd watch a bunch of uh, open micers. And then it kind of became a place that started getting a little more notoriety. Because, you know, Los Angeles at that time, even though there were no comedy clubs, is still a place that entertainers would go to become famous. Yeah. So, Obviously. naturally, there's A, people uh, that just want to do comedy, but also B, people that resort to comedy <laughs> to get famous. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Michael Keaton performed well, at the comedy store, you yeah, know? And, and I think the 70s was like post- uh, studio system Hollywood. So like people right. were trying to figure out how they were going to get noticed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it kind of started as just a way uh, anyone uh-huh. could show up and get on stage and then started to get a little more popular. And then in, uh, what did what'd you say, Matt? 72 is when they got divorced? Uh, or 74? 72. No, that's when, no, 74 you know, they 74. got divorced. You know, so it, open, it opened in 72. Yeah. And uh, two years in, they get divorced <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, they came to a number on Sammy's alimony payments. I think yep. at that time they had like four or five kids. I think four kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, they came to a number on Sammy's alimony payments, and he said, uh, well, fuck that. <laughs> I'll give you the comedy store. <laughs> I, that, that was Mitzi's demand. She said, hey, uh, I'll lower, it was like, it went from like 1100 to 500 a month or something like that, which at that time was quite a, a nice chunk of change. Yeah. Um, and she said, no, just give me $500 a month, and I get the comedy store. And he said, ah, all right, it's probably going to be a hunk of shit anyways. It's not like they'll be talking about this in 50 years. <laughs> so uh, he handed over to Mitzi Shore, and uh, she started on her way to turning it into what it is now. Um, but, yeah, I was interested in Sammy Shore, but there's not a lot on it. Like He, was, he had bit acting parts, mm-hmm. and it's weird. I assumed because of the fact that we'd never hear about him, I assume maybe he died a couple years ago or something. I mean, I'm sorry. I, mean, I assume maybe he died a couple years after this. Uh-huh. He died in like 2019. I was going to say he died a year yes. before Mitzi. Yeah. A year after, actually. Huh. So, uh, and there's no, there's never any like, you know, listen to, it almost comes, it feels like it comes up every episode of Rogan. <laughs> Somehow Mitzi Shore's <laughs> name comes up. I've never heard Sammy Shore's name other than like, yeah, she got it from her douchebag husband. <laughs> yeah, every time Rogan needs a good cry, he talks about Mitzi. Mitzi. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's, what, that's what gets him going. See, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you hear him do that. It's um, not quite his uh, buttery coffee cough. It's he's about to cry cough. <laughs> it's buttery coffee. So uh, 
so uh, uh, so and it wasn't uh, it wasn't just like um, I'm trying to think of the Dodgers owner where uh, he Magic Johnson to, no 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 <laughs> where he almost like, it was a big uh, divorce thing where uh, she wanted the team but she had like no real involvement yeah. this was Mitzi was running it like every day like she was the operator of it anyway. yeah right. so she was essentially already an owner mm-hmm. uh, just not in name and then she got the uh, the rights to it so in 1974 right. Mitzi Short takes over and uh, then where do we go from there man. Um, she gets a loan. Oh, that's right. So, so that's where Shecky Green comes in. Yeah, she gave, mm. Shecky Green gave her a loan to uh, keep it afloat. I guess Shecky Green and Sammy were friends, but uh, Shecky Green was performing there a lot, and he said, right, yeah. to start to start getting this going, uh, Shecky Green helped her out, and uh, that's when she turned it into a real business. Uh, I believe that was the loan that she used to expand, and uh, she bought the what is now the main room. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Which is the big the big performance uh, stage that they have, uh, and she bought out the whole building. Um, so Shecky Green has a lot to do with uh, the comedy store that we now know. I like how the uh, the belly room was originally for female comics. Right. <laughs> comics, yeah. Well, so the belly room was like I said, it was a, a performing center, but there was no comedy club. So that, it's called the belly room because it used to be for like belly dancers and shit. Right. And and, it only uh, sits, sits fifty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Mitzi, Mitzi Shore was well before her time because uh, she had the the belly room mainly at the time was for uh, female performers. Mm-hmm. So that's where, you know, like Joan Rivers and Roseanne and people like that <laughs> oh, would, would, Imagine. Would, would headline. Oh. <laughs> Imagine Joan Rivers is in this little closet. Uh, right? <laughs> God, she was funny as fuck. I, I, I was going to. <laughs> Joan Rivers was going to be the first. Uh, female we did yeah and then I figured you know maybe we, in honor of uh, Mitzi Shore doesn't get enough recognition mm-hmm. we should throw her first um, so yeah she did a lot for female comics and then also because of the success of that um, also started doing uh, you know um, uh, different I don't know how to phrase this Different minority groups, <laughs> you know. She would have like uh, underrepresented. Uh, yes, comedians. <laughs> yes, exactly. There you go. Well, that's still different. That's still a thing that they do to this day. Yeah. They'll have right. black comedy nights or whatever. Yeah. So Mitzi, Mitzi, pretty much started that well before you were like forced to. Yeah. <laughs> now it's a thing. Like we do it because you're supposed to. Mitzi Shore actually said, "Hey, let's give a voice to people that don't necessarily have a voice." Because it was L.A. Because it was L. But also because I think Mitzi being a female and a, yes. a male. Dominated business obviously felt some unquestionable. Uh, yeah, obviously felt some. I don't know obligation, but like, uh, uh, like she owed it to like a duty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and she did. A, she did a great yeah. job at that. But it was also fucking mayhem. <laughs> like the com- <laughs> the comedy store in the seventies was nuts. And I w- I looked for again, like I said, there's not a lot of Mitzi Short talk. I wanted to find. Um, and if you guys can find a, a well of it, maybe we'll do another Mitzi Shore episode. But I couldn't find a lot of like. Pryor or Robin Williams or the big guys you hear associated mm, with Billy that Crystal. era. Yeah, I, I, there's not a lot of them talking about Mitzi. Yeah. Um, but she was obviously influential because she gave them uh, their start. In fact, uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Matt, it's in there somewhere, um, but I'm pretty sure she had a hard time getting names to perform there because she didn't pay, they didn't pay comics. Yes. They paid zero dollars yes. until they started picketing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was run. She said it was run like a college. Right. Like you come to comedy, the uh, the comedy store to pay your dues, uh, work out in front of sometimes like late night. You know, maybe on a Wednesday, there's three people there getting shit faced. Uh, so that's where you kind of you know make your bones in comedy. Right. 
And that's what she looked at it as. And she judged you harshly, and she felt like that was helping groom a lot of comedians. But because of that, on the weekends, uh, she wasn't getting any names to perform there. Mm-hmm. Like, they all went to Vegas. I guess, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, the big money was in Vegas. Yeah, you go where the money yeah. was. So the L.A. comedians would drive out every weekend to Vegas and make their money, and they said, we're not going to fucking perform here. And yep. a lot of them didn't want to perform there just to not waste their acts because they said people would go out to Vegas to see them. Steal their shit. S- that too, right? steal their shit. There's a lot of things going on where uh, comics were saying, I don't really want to perform there mm-hmm. until, I guess, Pryor was the first guy that said, all right, I'm just going to start working out here. And then there were lines out the fucking door, like around the corner. I guess it was packed a lot. Like it was still successful. Yeah. But when Pryor started headlining there is when you would have lines around the block to see Richard Pryor. Yeah. And I, I enjoy the, uh, when they were, there was like a six week, uh, strike. Pick, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I just love that fun fact that Jay Leno got <laughs> hit by a car. Well, hold on. So I want to get there, but is there anything oh. I missed first, Matt? I forget. Uh, no, just, um, so they didn't really have any competition until the improv opened in 76. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So yeah, Mitzi was, as much as she uh, helped groom comics and everything, she was pretty ruthless. Like She was a good business person. The only game in town. And so <laughs> the co- she liked being that the comedy store was the only club there. And then the improv opened in, what did you say, 76? Mm-hmm. 76. Yeah, 76. So she would not allow uh, store comics to... I think they could perform there, but they couldn't put their name on the marquee. Right, they couldn't headline. Couldn't headline. Ah, headline. So, so the improv couldn't say, "Hey, tonight we've got Robin Williams and Richard Pryor and Jay Leno and Steve Martin." They couldn't do that because those were store comedians. Um, So, you know, obviously fucking them over, which is good. Good business by Mitzi. Um, So, yeah, like I said, (laughs) comics were not getting anything, which is wild to think about now. Uh huh. Like, the idea of performing every night and not getting paid, I guess you could. the argument is you get your money on the weekends, and this is your practice. These are your practice hours. I guess. But they're also, let's say, uh, you know, Richard Pryor and, and uh, fucking whoever, you know, Freddie Prince Jr. Or Freddie Prince. Freddie Prince. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't show up, then, uh, you know, no one's coming in to buy your drinks. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, maybe at least give them a cut of the door or something, which is eventually, in 1979, uh, what Craig was alluding to, they, they had a, a brutally bitter strike. And this is where, may, maybe this is why um, I couldn't find a lot of audio, a lot of these guys talking about Mitzi. Because mm-hmm. maybe they didn't like her. Really, yeah, forced a wedge between them. Well, I was going to say when you said that, um, that generation, I don't think they quite realized how she was grooming them mm-hmm. yeah. to prepare themselves. Because that's all. So fucking high on coke. And- <laughs> right. But this whole, like, the Rogan generation, that's all they talk about. Yes. Yeah. Like- yeah, because the legend had kind of been built up for right. a little more, mm-hmm. I think. Right. Um, which is funny because she's there a lot more in the 70s than she was in the 2000s, for sure. Yeah. Right. Which we'll get to. Um, Mitzi Ronald Reagan Shore. <laughs> yes. Breaking them strikers. Well, listen, had, <laughs> it wasn't a great end for, for old Mitzi. But, um, yeah, so uh, 79, they go on strike. Now, before this, it was like a wildly dysfunctional family. Uh, they were blowing lines together. Mitzi was banging comic Like, uh, uh, she had a relationship with uh, Argus Hamilton, who was the MC there for a long time? Argus. Uh, yeah. Um, I forget the other. They, they'll throw some names out there. There's actually, now that I'm bringing it up, I wish I uh-huh. included the clip, but there's a funny clip of uh, Polly Shore going on Bobby Lee's podcast uh-huh. after the documentary came out. And Polly Shore is like steaming. 
and Bobby's like, okay, I can tell you're mad. Uh, like he introduces the podcast. He's like, I can tell you're mad. Why are you so mad at me? <laughs> and he goes, uh, I want to talk to you about what you said in the comedy store. Doc. Oh. And Bobby goes, what did I say? I don't remember. He goes, well, you talked about my mom's vagina. <laughs> how you could smell her pussy in the room because she was having sex. And Bobby goes, I did not say that. And he goes, did you watch the documentary? And he goes, it does sound like something I'd say. <laughs> that is that is such a Bobby Lee <laughs> fucking. So, uh, yeah, I guess uh, she had her fun in the 70s. And like I said, hey. it, was, it was fucking crazy. It was the 70s. It was crazy times in uh, in entertainment. You could do whatever the fuck you wanted back then. Freddie Prinze is blowing his brains out. Oh, it's a wacky. Yeah, wacky, wacky fun times. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy time. But it is. So there's so many stories that uh, yeah. comedians would tell about the comedy store and everything, and uh, that could never happen now. No, no. There's Imagine cell phones if an, now. O- an owner is banging comedians. They're doing drugs in the back. Like that would never. There'd be protests outside. It would never happen. I mean, it. it I don't think it would, man. It could happen. No, I mean, I'm I'm sure they they party together still and shit, but not to the level yeah. it was at the comedy store. There's also no. Like cell phones, if, I mean, yeah, uh, that's yeah. The whole well, that's thing. what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's stories about Robin Williams, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, but showing up like loaded. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. well, we're, we'll talk about Lenny Bruce today in another episode, where Lenny Bruce was like, that, that couldn't exist now, a guy like that, because you would lose sight of their. If we knew as much about them as was happening, like Lenny Bruce would have been already Lent. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, if there's as much footage of Lenny Bruce, I'm imagining he yeah. would come out as a guy who repeats himself a lot. Imagine <laughs> in Lenny drug-induced Bru- fucking. Imagine Lenny Bruce without a nose. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to that. It was it was close. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so crazy times in the '70s, and uh, the '70s went out with a whimper because uh, oh, they went I- on strike, a brutally bitter strike that involved, as Craig mentioned, I I couldn't find Leno talking about this anywhere. Again, I'm amazed. At the last, I guess, because maybe they haven't talked about it in thirty years. It's so old. I bet you he yeah. bought. I bet you he bought the car that hit him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so, it's in his garage, yeah. right? So uh, that's my blood. So yeah. Leno, Leno was. Uh, then right here's my elbow. <laughs> Leno and Letterman were like the guys, uh, kind of leading the charge at the time. Letterman and Leno were the guys leading the charge at the time. Is that what you just said? For uh, wow. uh, the picketing. Wow. Yeah, together, arm in arm. Well, that's probably another reason why you don't hear about it is yeah. because their careers turned into something so huge. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but still, even their those career guys. Was the Cold War in the fucking even in the, 70s. Even in the store documentary, I, they, yeah. I couldn't find them talking about that at all. Oh, shit. Which is weird. Yeah. Um, and again, like I said, send it to me if I'm missing it, and we'll do another episode or something. Or we'll do it on uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash find Mike. <laughs> ah, there we go. <laughs> hey. Um, and uh, yeah, so Leno was uh, charging the picket line, <laughs> and a fucking car just mowed him down. <laughs> he was not—he was not badly injured, I guess. But uh, I think that helped along the process. That's where Mitzi was like, "All right, my my men are getting mowed down yeah. in the streets." <laughs> he took one on the chin. <laughs> so what uh, do I have down there, Matt? What they ended up getting when the strike ended? Yeah, so they oh. Mitzi finally agreed to pay fifteen dollars a set, which equates to about fifty dollars today. Oh god, that is rough. <laughs> and that's, that's still no, no, no. to this day what they. Do. I was yeah. gonna say the saddest part is now they get about fifty dollars a set. Oof. Like it's maybe it's maybe it's a little more, but well, it's that's, not. That's why comics will do like eight nine spots a night. Yeah, fifty bucks, and you start to make it. And the well, the crazy thing, and maybe it's what helps the clubs be able to do this, is I would imagine like when Chris Rock goes to the comedy mm-hmm. cellar, 
or uh, you know Jerry Seinfeld or any of these guys. I imagine Seinfeld's not taking fifty bucks from the comedy. No, uh, you know he might. Well, okay. all right, that's a bad joke. <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right, he might. Let me think of a <laughs> Chris Rock might not. How's that? <laughs> uh, yes, Jerry Seinfeld and Adam Sandler would take the money. With Bill Maher, they'd all take the money. We understand. Uh, well, half of Bill Maher. <laughs> oh, it's the only half. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, so. Yeah, the strike ends. Just in case anyone they, was wondering what that joke was, and they get a they get a whopping <laughs> they get a whopping twelve dollars a set, or thirteen, whatever, fifteen, it was, fifteen, uh, which is now fifty dollars. Which it's amazing. Like that's the self esteem of comedians, <laughs> where they're big, they're picketing for weeks, they're not yeah. working all the, and it's like, <laughs> all right, guys. You've asked for it. Well, if you well, do, if you we're going to give you a she walks outside clam. She walks outside and throws a handful of pennies at him. <laughs> She's like, yeah, slapping three fives together. Well, they're, they're probably <laughs> thinking, right. though. They, they do they do a spot in each room. Yeah, yeah. They're making forty five well, bucks because it yeah. says because it says a set, not yeah. a night. True, true. Yeah, they could do multiple sets yeah. in a night, but still, it's not it's not a lot of money. Yeah, which for the amount of money, if. When Richard Pryor's there, if the line's around the street, right, then how much money are they making you, in boots? You got to remember too, though, they're only doing 10, 15 minutes at a time. Yeah, true. That is true. And like, so I do believe minutes. while some of this I'm certain was greed, I would also say, based on everything you hear at Mitzi, that a lot of it was you guys aren't understanding what I'm doing for you. Right. Like I'm gr- I'm turning you into comedians, basically. Oh, you know what? Actually, this is mm-hmm. a good time for that Joey Diaz clip. I think <laughs> because. Yeah. This is the real benefit that Mitzi Shore uh, produced, I think. Like, in her era, certain comedians would have been weeded out because she oh, was yeah. such an eye for talent. Do you have that Joey Diaz clip, uh, Matt? The people that are in there that wouldn't be in there because there was no outside promotions. Yeah. yeah. If you different. promoted on Tuesday nights, everybody you put on that list had to be a regular. Is that Gary Goldman? You follow me? Like, yeah. Brendan Sean wouldn't be going up. <laughs> you know, like a lot of guys yeah. wouldn't be going up because she wouldn't allow it. You had to be a regular in her club. But I was there the night, the fucking main room was packed, and she threw Jay Davies out there. He's horrible. He's what? And the people are like, but they sold out the room. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that was the beauty about Mitzi Sure. That she didn't play that shit. Well, he's selling out rooms. He's not funny, but let's let him headline anyway. She didn't play that. R- really, the only reason I threw that in, I thought Craig would give him more of a laugh when he said uh, Brennan Schaub wouldn't be allowed in there now. <laughs> that, that, I think, is the real the there's real a, benefit of the, there is of a the great, shorter. Yeah, there's a great chance that's where Mike was speaking, and I missed it. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, the likes of Brendan Schaub and uh, Chris D'Elia may have been thwarted by the great Mitzi Shore. Uh, um, and she also, I know I'm all over the place, man, so just keep track of anything I miss. Yep. But... Um, uh, the other, the other great, I, I always love these, uh, <clears throat> Mitzi Shore stories was the advice she would give comedians where like, you know, we are going to talk about her as this, uh, patron saint of comedy, uh, saint, I think I meant to say, <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like this great figure in comedy. She also did give horrible advice at times. <laughs> yes. And, uh, comedians have talked, it's like kind of legend now, some of, uh, Mitzi's advice. I think it's like Mike Binder and Bill Burr I have uh, talking a little bit about. Yeah. Yep. While you were killing on stage, were you thinking like, I'm getting past or don't fuck this up? I just couldn't believe I was killing. I was finally out there. I come all the way from Detroit. 
drove out there. I was 18 years old, and Mitzi calls me over. She goes, you are really funny. You can come back. You can be a regular. But I don't like the ripped hole in the suit thing. It, I, I don't like that. <laughs> Lose that. She, she thought, thought that was a bit. Yeah, she thought it was like my hook. The kid with the ripped suit. With Do you realize the suit. how lucky you are that she didn't like it? Because yeah. she every night you go on stage. You wear that. Oh, I'm stuck with that. Call you Mikey Rip Pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and did you grab the little short face. clip after that, too, where she's on Arsenio? Yes. Just play that real quick. Oh, God. I don't give advice, Arsenio. Oh, I'm don't really tell me that. I no, saw you I tell don't. a girl to put on a green wig and she'd be funnier. Oh, that was different. <laughs> <laughs> the wonderful advice. So, so that was. Shore. So that was. Uh, Look at that logo. By the way, yeah. we we haven't addressed yeah. the. Uh, Get it. Anytime you. Oh, very good. Yes. Good job. Um, any the logo is done by Gig. By the way, I'm contractually obligated to mention Shout that every Gig. time he Gig is a great man. Yes, who spent a lot of time on the logo, and I appreciate it. Yeah. And if you don't like it, he didn't do it. All right, he's a good <laughs> he's a good guy. <laughs> Fuck you, clowns that don't. And I want him it. to get proper credit. Yeah. Um, you bitching about a logo, you need something else to do. By the so, if you'll notice, uh, anytime Mitzi is addressed, everyone does the Mitzi impression. Yep. Yeah. Which the accent yeah. in that little brief clip does not it doesn't sound, sound that bad. No. But they everyone sa- they, they their accent sounds like an old sick lady. So yeah, I don't it's, yeah. I'm from Wisconsin, I guess is the idea of it. Is that it's like a Midwestern accent? Yeah. Um but like Ari's is my favorite, Ari Shafir's. Yeah. And I wanted to cu- so Ari did a great job of memorial mem- <clears throat> memorializing her um after she died. He did a full podcast called Mitzi. I think it was like episode 323 of Skeptic Tank, if you want to go check it out. But it is, I don't know if you put it behind a paywall now or something. It's not on, I have it in my podcast app, but I couldn't send it to Matt. Like, it's it's off iTunes and everything. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, but if you want to go check it out, um, go check that out. But yeah, every every comedian that references Mitzi does the, uh, does the Wisconsin whatever accent that's <laughs> supposed to be. Uh, but yeah, so they would, um, uh, there's a million stories where uh, some guy, I forget, it was a comedian I'm not too familiar with, mm. but he was telling a story where she wanted him and another comic he was friends with. She goes, uh, "You guys, you guys go on stage, and we'll you'll, we'll call you Salt and Pepper, and you'll be Salt, <laughs> and he'll be Pepper, and you'll be the Salt and Pepper act." And he's like, Ugh. "No." <laughs> so, so some of her, it's either that some of her ideas were just terrible, or. Uh, the speculation is like I've heard Joey Diaz and other guys say this that she kind of just wanted to test you and see a if you would just do it <laughs> and b <laughs> and b if you would be able to perform under those circumstances like if you look like an asshole on stage can you, you can still, still be funny be that's funny and it's also yeah. like like she said there maybe just there's times where she thought a green <laughs> wig would be funny and she's just fucking coked up and who knows, I was just gonna who say, knows why she thought <laughs> people might be reading too much into this stuff right in the, in the, the coke addled brain that is the thing and I'm sure we'll we'll probably do it a lot on this podcast as it's a history of po- a comedy type of thing we'll we'll uh you know, uh, talk glowingly of something that maybe wasn't that genius. It was just a fucking drug-addled mess <laughs> making some weird decision. They were like, I wonder what they meant by that. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Uh, what's next, man? Do you want to talk about the Crest Hill house? Oh, so this is pretty wild. So when she bought uh, the entire building, it came with the house that was next door right. uh, that they started calling the Crest Hill house. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if it's the street that it's on or whatever. 
But um, it's on Sunset. Oh well, there you go. So it's not that we've we've ruled out one option. Uh, but th- she would let uh, comedians live there, and this is this speaks to like she was a motherly figure to a lot of these comics, probably to the detriment of her children. It sounded like, <laughs> um, but, but that like this was her family, the comedy store. Um, so she would take care of them. She she uh, gave comedians loans and shit like that. So again. If you want to talk about like the greed factor with not paying comedians, she was also very good to them outside of just performing. Yeah. Or she would help them financially, give them a place to stay and all that. And the wildest part about that Crest Hill house is I guess there was a time where uh, Andrew Dice Clay, Sam Kinison, when they were still friends, mm-hmm. uh, Mark Marin, who was opening for Kinison at the time, and Yakov Shmirnov <laughs> all lived there. So I imagine the walls are just littered with uh, uh, li- like remnants of cocaine. <laughs> and it had to be a And mess. vodka. Because that, that's in the 80s when they were fucking insane. Dice didn't drink, though, I think. I'm talking about Yakov Smirnoff. No, I know. But... And Kinnison. <laughs> no, but it's and Mary at the time. It's crazy that Dice would live in that situation. Did, did Dice never drink? I, I don't think so. Yeah, there's an interesting thing with but, Dice and uh, Kinnison, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, too, where yeah. they ended up rivals, but, like, Dice loved Kinnison mm-hmm. and looked up to him, so that might also be why. And, I mean, Dice seems like a bit of a madman that can fit in that situation, even if he's not high. You know uh, what I mean? Uh, he's also not an idiot. He understands right. the, the culture he's part of. Right. I mean, if you don't right. drink, you're like, all right, I have to go do this. He's going to be around it. Yeah. I mean, he's and he's just a, he's a Neanderthal. Like, yeah. You know, he's still fucking broads and yeah. doing God knows what. So. I mean, he's still got guys like Marin and stuff and, like, and Norton, all those guys who are, like, clean that still have to go to bars to do right. their job. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Uh, what else we got? Um, you want to talk about the... HBO uh, suit. Oh, yeah. So I, I just thought this was mm. interesting. So um, she had an album label called the Comedy Channel. Ah. And I guess she would release, uh, I, I guess comedians could basically produce albums through that. Mm-hmm. Huh. And then HBO launched the Comedy Channel and she sued them. And it became, it was a long, drawn out process, obviously. And then HBO partnered with Viacom to create. So essentially, the reason we have Comedy Central now mm-hmm. is because Mitzi Shore <laughs> said, you're not taking my name. Right. <laughs> so that's the only reason I threw hey. that in is I thought it was kind of interesting. It, again, shows her weird impact on things without ever really... Even if it wasn't intentional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Without even really you yeah. know, knowing who she was. But also like smart business sense and giant balls. You have to, yeah. you have to sue in that situation. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But like giant balls. She was the balls. little guy. Yeah, she was the little guy. Yeah. She easily could have gotten... It's like, fuck you, HBO, the place where most of my comics go to do their big stand-up specials. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> and they easily could have been like, all right, whoever they had deals with, yeah. Dice or Kinnison yeah. or whoever they had deals with at the time, you're not working there anymore. Yeah. But fuck this lady. If you want to deal with us, then she could do... They could do to her what she did to the improv, you know? Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, right. So I just thought that was uh, interesting, I guess. Even though the weird thing is maybe Viacom didn't own MTV at the time, but Pauly Shore was I think they did. enormous on MTV. Yeah. So I don't know if that was part of it, maybe. I don't know. That, was, there's no... He was like one of the biggest things in the world yeah. back then. He it kind of... He huge. like... He kind of built MTV into what it is now <laughs> in yeah. a weird yeah. in a weird way. You know, like it was just music videos and they started having like Pauly Shore and Dennis Leary on there. Yeah. It kind of changed. Dennis Leary. It wasn't, so it, it became that. a thing where like, you know, MTV Beach House and all mm-hmm. that type of shit. It became like a, a culture thing more than a music channel. More than just a music. Thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <clears throat> um, which we'll get to Pauly Shore uh, more in a minute. But The uh, Weasel? 
<laughs> the weasel comes up, believe it or the not. The weasel. <laughs> Do you want to hear Joey Diaz tell a Seinfeld story? Yeah, so this is great. And we'll, I think we'll talk more about this, or at least this type of behavior when we talk about Seinfeld. <laughs> but I just thought this was a great comedy store story. Um, Jerry Seinfeld uh, was not allowed in the comedy. He, li- he lived in Los Angeles. He was doing the tight show and shit. But uh, Mitzi didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Have they ever unpassed somebody? Like painted over their name on the wall? Or no? I saw her throw a few people out of there. I knew she threw Jerry Seinfeld out of there. Really? Yeah. He was on there last week. He came for the store. Yeah, yeah. He came again. I remember the time uh, he came in and he told his story on stage. You know, this is maybe a few years ago. But it was like, you know, 30 years ago, just... He came. He came to L.A. He was too polished for her. Yeah, that's what it was. He yeah, was too polished huh. for her. She didn't want you polished. Jesus. He basically quoted her and said that it's like, you know, you come here to L.A. And he's like, and no one's gonna, no one has told you no. He's like, I want to be that person to tell you no. He's like, and he would drive down Doheny in his Porsche, and she would be out there watering the lawn, and they just kind of lock eyes. He's like, but she never would let him play. <laughs> and then you know. This was a few years ago. He went on stage. He said, "This is my first time in a long time." Crazy. So yeah, the the so funny the way Seinfeld tells that is he would purposefully do that. Of like, course, he was he bought I think he bought an apartment near the store. I forget the exact story. Like I said, we'll probably talk about it when we talk about Seinfeld. But I think he bought an apartment <laughs> close to the store just so he could be like "fuck you, Mitzi," <laughs> which is great. It's a spiteful dickhead, and it it shows you kind of. Two things where Mitzi was probably wrong. Also, sometimes you know well, what I mean. Yeah, like, I mean as much as we fallible. talk, as much as we talk about her as a like, I'm sure there's comedians she fucking missed on that held a grudge. Yeah, Jerry uh, Seinfeld for many for many, <laughs> for many years. <laughs> but like, but I can also see like how wrong was she? Because <laughs> she was Jerry <laughs> Seinfeld wrong. Yeah, but look at some of Seinfeld's stand-up. It's His not great. Not, it's not. <laughs> it's not great. It's not awesome. His last special I didn't mind, actually. Yeah. I thought his last special was easily his worst ever. Really? I thought it was horrendous. I think I kind of oh, like, I liked the documentary parts and all that. Oh, maybe that's not the one I'm thinking of then. Maybe I'm not I'm... thinking of the documentary one. I'm thinking the one... Uh, uh, oh, no, I never watched. Pop-Tart bit and all that horrible... Never, I don't think I 24 Hours to Kill, I think. I don't think I saw that one. But like I said, Seinfeld will get his, Hours to Kill was good. Seinfeld will get his day of reckoning on this program. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, that's so funny. Just to prove a point, he's like bunking up with Lemmy. It's great. It's great. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's great. Lemmy, Lemmy had an apartment like right yeah. across the street from the the comedy store. That's fine. Right. Because uh, it was in his family for so long, it was like twelve bucks a month. They, <laughs> oh, they, right. couldn't, they couldn't change the price of the rent. Rent control. Yeah. Or whatever it was. That's awesome. So he kept it, even though he was in Motorhead and could afford mansions. <laughs> oh, fucking Motorhead. Uh, what else? Uh, do you want to do the Joe Rogan? Uh... Yeah, so this is basically just, I mean, I, I shouldn't have said what I said at the start of the show, because this basically is just repeating that, but let's hear it, Joe. All the people in the world that are not comedians, she's the number one most important figure in all of comedy Yeah, that wasn't a comedian. And then even when you say the ones that were comedians, damn, she's in the running for number one even with the, the comedians. <laughs> I know. Because, yeah, if you talk about influential... I mean, Joan Rivers, like, I would mm-hmm. say a, a majority of female comedians are kind of not ripping off, but, like, modeling themselves after Joan Rivers. Definitely. Yeah. You can definitely see the influence there. Yeah. Um, but Joan Rivers and Kathleen Madigan. 
Yes, those the two the two titans. Yeah. I like how if you talk about like men, it's like Richard Pryor and George Carlin. With women, it's like Joan Rivers, and then I guess we'll get to Kathleen Madigan. <laughs> Paula Poundstone. Kathleen Madigan. Oh come on, this is not, this is not a great list. I quit. I like, I like Kathleen Madigan. I think she's you funny. suck at list. Well, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I mean, like if you talk about Mitzi Shore's impact on just uh, the career she would groom. Like people mm-hmm. that otherwise would have done things differently or would have quit comedy or who knows if it wasn't for for uh, Mitzi Shore. It's hard. This was the probably the only one. I don't even know if I can do it where it's uh, – if we talk about coaching tree, I don't know who, who her influences would be Everyone. other than the fact that every comedy club still only pays their people $50 a set. Yeah. Um, her, her coach her, – her, she, she literally coached though. But yeah, at, yeah. And we're talking in coaching tree. It's more like this guy got his influence from this from mi- from the she, comedy store. She literally was having like huddles and like, all right, on three. Yeah, like, like, I, but I guess I'm just saying. Legacy was cheapness. I can't, yeah, right. <laughs> the fuck. I can't think of. I can't think of who the next Mitzi Shore is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, uh, Etsy, Etsy from well, Etsy J- seller. Uh, Etsy, yeah, yeah. yeah. SD, and J- yeah. Jamie Masada, who uh, owns the Laugh Factory, worked at the comedy store. Mm. So I guess people like that who literally came from her. And opened a comedy club. So I, yeah. in a way, you could say every comedy club kind of models themselves after the comedy store in a way. Etsy is yeah. a uh, uh, yeah. I know. SD. I know. I'm we saying. both said it too. I was like, ah, <laughs> whoops. You said first. I was gonna say. Uh, I, you know, you, the other thing listened. too is I don't know. I don't <laughs> know if we'll do. I guess I'm kind of counting this as the comedy store episode as well because they're kind of lumped in together. Seller episode. I don't know if we'll do a comedy seller episode. Ooh, that could oh, be good, dude. Definitely. Yeah. The whole East Coast comedy versus West Coast comedy, the, like, style that thing. Whole thing. Oh, the, dude. The table when they would just bash the fuck out of each other. Yeah, like yeah I guess that, the I don't know. It, it seems more like their golden era was like. It's it'll now. Ba- it'll basically just be like us talking about tough crowd. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, the tough crowd era seemed and like why not? the comedy store. Well, I mean, you could, we could. Tough okay. crowd's definitely getting an episode. Too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It might this, be in the next round. Maybe we can, yeah, it totally maybe we can uh, yeah. mix those ones yeah, together. Yeah, they can kind of get mashed together. Yeah. Uh, all right, where are we going now? Good for Colin. Uh, you for... got either Pauly or you got Ari. Um, Let me hear Ari. So, well, actually, this goes to what we were just talking about, where it's not the same. comedy clubs aren't the same today. So, this is Ari and uh, Eleanor Kerrigan, who she dated Dice for a while and opened for him. And uh, she is at the cellar. She's kind of like a staple of the cellar now. Uh, I think she does their pod, the Comedy Store podcast mm. as well. Um, so it's them talking about uh, the good old days. And I think it probably is third or fourth favorite iteration of the store, from what I've heard. Okay. Um, like Rogan and I talk about this sometimes, where he's like, oh, I love it. It's killer lineups. I'm like, dude, this place sucks. The credit <laughs> store is what we changed The credit it to. store. It I sucks. use that against Adam on his, and it's and even if they're good, even if they're good, even if it's like Rogan, yeah. Silverman, uh, Jeffries, it's just you know, different. It's just like this sucks, dude. What's happening? We're we're not fucking peering over at Eddie Griffin getting laid and trying to like how can we go in there and watch a stick go in some fucking chick's pussy, you know? <laughs> like that's the fun. That's in the inmates running the asylum. That's when it was. It's it's fun. It's kind of fun to watch Ari desperately try. To like get the seventies back in comedy. Well, that's what it was like when he was working yeah. there in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, early two thousands. But like he tries. Literally, there's a clip in the uh, intro of this episode. I stand for mayhem. That's Ari screaming mm-hmm. on Legion of Skanks. Yeah, where yeah. like he wants that bygone era back so badly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where it's not 
going to happen. If more people were like Ari, it would happen. Yeah. But like people are so obsessed with social media and, and you know, being constantly relevant and all of that where it's not possible. If everyone was like Ari and threw their cell phones away and went to fucking Ecuador whenever they want. Yeah. The, that, that might be different. The comedy would suffer too. Um, uh, they, if they're more focused on doing drugs and fucking chicks at the comedy club than doing their jokes, yeah, it would. I I don't. I, I mean, guess. I mean, I, I don't know. It's hard to. Know argue. That's what I'd look at. Carlin it. Pryor. Yeah. How did? How did? How Steve was Martin? Eddie Murphy. How was Kinnison after his first album? <laughs> well, <laughs> he had a, how's he had a now? short run. Yeah. How's Mitch Hedberg now? Uh, yeah, but I get it. Fucking Dice. I mean, there's a million guys Geraldo. that came out of there that are still yeah. performing. You know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it. don't do drugs. I'm not being a square, or anything, but <laughs> like, you don't have to fuck in the, the in the in the club. Substance goddamn abuse, goddamn. folks, is really what we should be targeting here today. And yeah, you know, that's... you know, folks, we've had a lot of fun, but if I could get serious for a moment <laughs> on this very special episode, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, you're right. Ari's a reckless maniac. <laughs> yes, but that's what's awesome about him. Yes. Yeah, I know. Um, so I, I want to talk about the uh, era of the 90s and, and Mitzi's uh, um, last times at the comedy store and everything. Uh, but first, let's peer uh, Polly Shore. I want to talk about Polly Shore a little bit because he – a lot of people say Polly Shore is kind of the product of nepotism. But based on Polly Shore's description of it, I'm not really sure that's the case. <sighs> yeah. Um, she was yeah. pretty hands-off with your stand-up though, right? Yeah, it was uh, with me. She just always said I wasn't. You're not ready. You know, it's just always you're not ready. You're too dirty. You know, I mean, that's a whole other podcast. Like my relationship with her when it comes to fucking, when it comes to how she treated me, was was pretty difficult. I stayed away from the store for when I first started at 17. I stayed away from the store for uh, two years. I worked the factory. I went to New York City with on Love, and I just stayed away. And then when I finally uh, auditioned for her, it was uh, it was in the OR, and there was a lot of comics were watching, and and, and she was next to Louis Anderson and Paul Mooney, and I end with pop locking, I end with this dance number. Oh, does that sound awful? And then I go Hold over on. to her, and I'm like, How was I? She Rewind said, for a with- second, if you wouldn't mind. Whew. Boy, does that number? sound brutal? <laughs> listen to the listen to the name. Listen, listen to exactly how he describes it. Who was in the room? <laughs> There was a lot of comics were watching, and, and and she was next to Louis Anderson and Paul Mooney. And I end with pop locking. I end with this <laughs> dance number. And then I go over to her, and I'm like, how was I? She said, stick with the dancing. <laughs> she says that to me. So, yeah, so it was pretty hard. I mean, she didn't really make me a paid regular until I, like, was drawing people at her club. Like, till I was famous on MTV. <laughs> really? And, like, I'm like, Mom, there's people here to see me. That long line is for me. And she kind of reluctantly made me a paid regular. Like, she still didn't think I was ready. Do you think she was trying to protect you? I think she was just really being honest and saying, you're not ready. Trying to protect you know what club. I mean? I think she just was <laughs> trying know, to protect our ears. Not ready to be a, her, a regular. Her last name. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Look so, at that still shot. Oh, my God. Can you That's pull that brutal. back up if you took it down? Just guy. <laughs> I wonder why they won't pass me. <laughs> well, I got to give as much as uh, um, we're bashing Polly Schroyer. I do have to give him credit because. I don't hate Polly. He became. He became a super he was yeah ultra fit like cra- for like crazy for like 30 fans. minutes is <laughs> i mean you say that but like he was in six movies that were like very, yeah. very popular he doesn't own the store now uh no he does no. not i know He's, adam eget runs it i'm not sure who owns it honestly because he he moved three. out he moved out to vegas and i always mm. assumed he owned it 
Oh, the other died. kids own it? The other three not short kids, do they? Oh, I was just asking. Oh, well, if, I'm not sure. If that's the case, then he probably has a chunk of it. I, I would think, imagine. yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if he, if he does or not. But I know Adam Egan runs it, and he was kind of credited for bringing it back after uh, Mitzi passed right. away and everything. Yeah. But I do have to give uh, Pauly credit because it seemed like like everyone says, oh, nepotism. Like You hear people talk shit about Pauly Shore. Right. The guy his fucking mom ran the comedy store. It's like, well, she didn't pass him. Yeah. I guess you could say that he definitely met people that probably helped him out because of being at the comedy store. Of course. But it's like, if his, did his but, name carry that much? His mom's in a fucking lawsuit with Viacom. Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> like, how much weight did that really carry? And he was able to come, become a megastar with, uh, yeah. uh, with MTV. Exactly. And I, I, I don't know. I, that impression of his mom was almost a Louis Anderson impression. <laughs> it's funny. He does the worst impression of his he mom. He does. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. The owner of... Because he, sound, he naturally sounds like yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Ex- exactly. The owner of the comedy store is Landon Deloak and Corbett McGregor. Does it say how they uh, got it? No idea. I'm looking. I'm reading through it right now. That's just the names. I don't know if be great that, if, she, if Mitzi left it to them. To them, instead of her kids. I, I was <laughs> ho- I was kind of hoping that you two would maybe have heard those names before. Two unknown no, I have no idea. comics. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it got sold at some point. Obviously, uh, I mean, even while she was alive. I you guys aren't you guys aren't very funny, but you're both very good at bookkeeping. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave you the store. <laughs> well, well, you know what? It's it's funny you say that though, because so, that's how people came up through the ranks at uh, yeah. the comedy store. Um, uh, Steve Ari, who we mentioned, and Steve Renazizi and Bobby Lee and these guys, Marin, uh, they were all doormen at the comedy store. And that's kind of how they got there in and eventually started performing there and got to know people and all that shit. So that's again goes back to that college theory or like grooming theory where Mitzi kind of just got him in the environment Mm -hmm. and then was able to like, hey, kid, you're an MC now or whatever the fuck she would do. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, just get like getting in the door was a big thing there. And that's kind of how it is today, at least the comedy store. I don't know about the seller or anywhere yeah. else, but I know the store, it's still like comedians that work uh, at the store, which is kind of a cool, mm-hmm. like Letterman said, Yeah. Um, they asked Letterman, like, what made you move to LA uh, to, to work at the comedy store? And he said, it was pretty simple. I watched Johnny Carson, and when a comedian came out, he would always say, uh, you know, they'll be in uh, Nashville and Wisconsin and here and there, and, and uh, you can see them most weeknights at the comedy store. Like every comedian that came out, he said the comedy store. So yeah. I guess I should move to LA. <laughs> and that was weird. Like, promo- again, you kind of go back to like, should she have been paying comics? Because it's free promotion. Well, yeah. If, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of well, a comic I haven't mentioned yet. If but you want to work there, you want to work there. Yeah, if not, then you don't. If Stephen Wright goes up there and they're like, you can see him this week at the comedy yeah. store, that's free promotion <clears throat> for the store. Uh, so yeah, it is. It, that is definitely a tough. It's t- it's a tough battle because like even the comedians because mm-hmm. like, yeah she's doing something good for me but like I am working here every night and drawing people in even if it's for fifteen minutes or something you know yeah uh, was that all we had for clips Matt yeah I think so okay so I just wanted to talk real quick before we uh, get out of here about a there was a big dip in the comedy store and just the vibe at the comedy store in the nineties mm. I guess they said that's when it started to be like dice would go up there forever. And he wasn't Dice at the time. You know, this was after uh, yeah. Nora Dunn and all that yeah. shit happened. Dice would go up there. Uh, Eddie Griffin, and I forget who else they mentioned. There were three comics that it was like, ah, fuck. <laughs> like, it was like uh, Chappelle now, where it's like, if you saw these guys, uh-huh. it's like, well, I can just leave. They're not going to be off for another four hours. Oh. Uh, so, who was the other one? So other guy, that, Dane Cook? No. No, it was before him. Um, but it started to get, like, Dane Cook, I think, 
performed more predominantly at the Laugh Factory. Correct. Mm. Um, and I think that was a lot of guys at that time kind of started to go to the Laugh Factory uh, more than the Comedy Store, and it was kind—it was really dark years. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the era that Ari's talking about, where, uh, <laughs> where it was cool, anything goes. It was cool to be around, man. Well, yeah, you no, can if do you, whatever you want. If you hear him talk, it's always about the Comedy Store being empty and people yeah. fucking on the piano or right. whatever. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and then you get into the time like, so <clears throat> Mitzi suffered from, uh, bo- I believe both Parkinson's and uh, dementia or Alzheimer's. Uh, and she started to be like mm. she'd be she'd be at the store, but she'd be shaking that voice. <laughs> she'd be she'd be shaking a lot when uh, when people saw her and things like that. Um, so it was not you know she was not doing great. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you had the uh, Rogan Mencia thing, which I think that'll be a whole episode at some point. Oh yeah, probably. yeah. That but um, that'd be a that, good episode. So Rogan has talked about how that's the last time he spoke to Mitzi, where she he explained everything to her. And she was like, oh, okay, I'll straighten it out. And then uh, he got a phone call from someone else who was running the store, managing the store at the time. And said, ah, Mitzi didn't know everything that was involved, blah, blah, blah. You're, you're, you're banned, basically. You're not yeah, going on. Mitzi is a moneymaker right now. You're gone. Yeah. So I think that's when you started to see Mitzi didn't have control anymore. That's around 06, 07. Uh, her health is not great. And then uh, almost, I, I would say almost unfortunately, Mm-hmm. She lasted another eleven years after that, <laughs> because if you're starting to get that at, in 2007, yeah, I imagine the next ten years she was not at the store ever really. Uh, like like guys like Segura, who are popular now, mm-hmm. say like may have met her once, and it was in you know it was 15 years ago, and she wasn't doing great, all that. So she hasn't been she wasn't at the store for a long time, and then obviously in uh, in 2018 she <clears throat> passed away. That's cute. Um, at uh, she must have been ninety fucking years old. Ninety something. Yeah. People always forget about how long Joe Rogan's been doing stand up forever, <laughs> like since right. the ninety one or something. Yeah, well, like yeah, we talk before about, news radio. Yeah, when we, when we talk about Chappelle, uh, Neil Brennan brought up that he had a pilot during mm-hmm. the uh, Rodney King riots, which is like, oh, what yeah. the fuck? Rogan, same thing. Where he was, I heard him telling a story where he's like, yeah, I was on a TV show in ninety one before news radio. And it's yeah. like, holy fuck, like, he's been around. I mean, he is Ever. 54 now yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he started stand-up when he was 23. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. and it's really only the last 10 years where non-comedy fans are like, oh, he does stand-up. I didn't know. Right. That, you know? Yeah, everyone yeah. thought he was the Fear Factor guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then or an MMA. MMA or yeah, news radio yeah. or whatever it was. Always Fear Factor guy yeah. when he had hair. So that's uh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty much an abridged history of uh, of Mitzi Shore, like I said, I'd love to do. If you guys can find clips of her talking or anything, we'll break it down at some point on mm-hmm. uh, Patreon.com/slash/BlindMike, and uh, go check out a very good show. Hey, and hey, if you like, uh, if you if you yourself do a podcast and you like the uh, audio to sound a little better, and you'd like to be all be in the same room like we are here. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny about that? When you said the audio sound better, you made a face that made me laugh. <laughs> I saw it too. Oh, no, I, I was being genuine. Yeah. No, I, I he meant, looked at Craig. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no. I was I'm joking. saying. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Uh, you come to Vaulted Podcasts. It's Matt from Rhode <laughs> Island. If you're around the uh, particular Rhode Island area, uh, check out Vaulted Podcasts. And uh, I don't know anything else about uh, Mitzi Shore before we get on here. <laughs> Talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody.